Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. No matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this, I am Carlos Johnson, and I'd like to welcome you to episode two. There's a second one of these that's going to be out there on the internet for eternity. Welcome to episode two of It's a Black and White Thing. You can follow me at on Twitter at A1TheLP. That's all letters. That's A-O-N-E-T-H-E-L-P. Or you can send me a friend request on Facebook at facebook.com slash A1TheLP. Once again, all letters. If you send me a friend request on Facebook, please, please let me know that you listen to the show, you like what you heard, and you were seeking to follow the rants of I have about sports and other things on Facebook. Otherwise, I will probably deny the request because I've stopped accepting friend requests from strangers. When face, you know, when I first got a Facebook page, I was so happy to be allowed into what was what was considered an elite society because at first Facebook was for college people. I don't have a college degree at the t- at the moment. I am going to school to get a degree. That's too much information. I know. But, you know, I, I, I accepted friend requests from everybody. And now, you know, after so many struggle posts about your deadbeat baby mama or baby daddies and your no good baby mamas, you know, I only accept friend requests from people that I know. So, again, if you, you know, listen to the show, it's going to be on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash A1LP is where you can find the, the podcast. We got that important piece of information. Um, I also will post a link on my Facebook and my Twitter and will promote it several times so you can find it there as well. But SoundCloud is the official home of the podcast for now until we get it set up on iTunes uh, so you can go there and listen to it and subscribe. I'm one half of the dynamic duo, uh, A Ward, who, you know, we may have an issue. I may need a new white guy for several reasons. The big reason right now is because I vetoed a trade in a fantasy football league that A-Ward was just pretty sure that he thought would go through. It was vetoed. Long story. When I have the homies on, we'll explain that when we talk a little bit of fantasy football. It got vetoed, and he's not happy with us right now. Uh, Not happy with me. So I may have to find another white guy. I also may have to find another white guy because he gave me a list of demands that he wanted fulfilled before you would come on the show and i'll just give you a couple of these one he wanted to make the theme song of which we don't have one quite yet he wanted the theme song to be the the tennessee vols fight song a ward is a it's from tennessee he's a diehard tennessee fan he loves peyton manning hates charles rod or charles woodson i'm sorry uh and if you if wait i think i got that backwards he loves peyton so just in case i did he loves Peyton Manning, hates Charles Woodson. Again, if you want to know the inside story of that, just Google Charles Woodson Heisman, and you'll find out why that is. He's demanded that we change the name of the show to It's an Orange and White Thing from It's a Black and White Thing. He's demanded that we have a Route 44 Dr. Pepper and a plate of pizza rolls waiting for him at, when he arrives for each taping. And then lastly, he's demanded that Skylar Diggins be the first guest for his first appearance on the show. So, again, you know, I might have to find have auditions for a new white guy to join the show, or I'm going to, in the words of Rob Parker, might have to find me a cornball brother who votes Republican to be on the show, to be the, to be the other half of the dynamic duo. So, hopefully, you know, if 
either A, I meet his list of demands, or B, he stops being mad about his veto trade. I don't know if it's, is it too soon to be talking about this? I mean, it just happened today. I don't know. But uh, if he stops being mad about that, he'll come on the show. So you just got me again for the second episode, which I hope you don't mind. A couple of things, you know, I had a, a, a whole litany of things, a plethora, if you will, things I wanted to get into. Uh, but there are two main sports stories that are dominating the headlines and have been for about a week or so. And that's obviously Ray Rice and by extension, Roger Goodell and his handling of the Ray Rice punishment. And then secondly, Adrian Peterson and the uh, disciplining abuse, uh, the abuse, child abuse and indictment that's been brought against him that's being overseen now by a grand jury on whether or not there will be a criminal trial brought against him for the, again, the, uh, I, I guess you have to call it alleged abuse. I'm going to call it abuse of his four-year-old son. So I will hit one topic before I jump into those because I Kansas City is where I live. Kansas City is a town. Um, it is my adopted hometown. If you ask me where I'm from, Jonesboro, Louisiana is always going to be the first thing I say, but I will always, but I will always follow it up with I've lived in Kansas City for most of my life. I've been here now 23 years, moved here when I was nine years old. Uh, summer 92, Barcelona games were ending when I got here, so that's the end of August or beginning of August of 92. So I want to talk a little bit and real briefly about the Royals. Uh, and then I'll move on to those other two topics. So, first things first, Royals. As I, as I said on the last episode, I'm, I want to buy into the Royals, but first they got to make the playoffs. And by playoffs, again, I mean seven-game series. But I got an addendum. I got an addition that I want to add to that to buy in. Because, look, I'm not a huge baseball fan, so the Royals have a – a golden opportunity because I'm a, a Cubs fan first. Been a Cubs fan since I was seven. But I'm putting the Cubs on notice. You got three years to get your stuff together. Get your act together, all right? This lovable loser thing is is not cool anymore. All right, so Theo, somebody in Chicago who may listen to this, get this into the hands of Theo Epstein and let him know. He's on notice. You got three years. Get it together. Are you going to lose me as a fan? And the Royals have a perfect opportunity to pick me up as a fan for several reasons because I am important. I live in Kansas City. I could be a potential ticket holder. Okay, let me let me stop lying. I'm never going to be a, a season ticket holder for the Royals. I mean, you can forget that. But I may go to a game. And I have a young son who I may want to turn on to the game of baseball. I have a lot, a list of issues with baseball in general. But, hey, if, the, if I live in a city where the team is good, I have no problem jumping on the bandwagon and being a fan and bringing my son along for the ride. So, the addendum that I want to add to the Royals being good or, or to me jumping on the Royals bandwagon on top of them making the playoffs. And again, by playoffs, seven-game series, don't sell me this game 163 crap uh, that, that most Royal fans want to say, hey, they make game one. Yeah, 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 whatever. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that 163 stuff. Make a seven-game series in the ALDS and... Resign James Shields. Why am I asking that they resign James Shields? Because they gave up two really good prospects for him in that trade with Tampa Bay. Those two prospects being Will Myers, an outfielder, and the and pitcher Jake Odorizzi, who are looking like they're going to be two pretty good pieces 
in the rebuilding of the Tampa Bay franchises. They seek to, to rebuild on the fly. It doesn't make sense for you to give up James Shields or to give up those two prospects for essentially two seasons of James Shields where last year you made a second-half run at a wild-card spot and this year where you contended for the division for most of the season, fell a little bit short, and now you're potentially barring the, the Tigers completely falling apart here in the last week of the season. Uh, you're going to be in, in, in a wild-card game to for the right to face the, I would presume, the Angels uh, in the AODS. If the Royals are going to be a team that is considered a contender for the AL Central crown, for the AL pennant, and to and to potentially win a World Series, they got to not only have a deep farm system, which they have. They've date one thing Date Moore has done is he's built up that farm system, as seen by that by their bullpen, which is one of the deepest and one of the best in in the major leagues. But they also have to retain that talent. We've seen talent come through Kansas City. Carlos Beltran being a, a, a huge notable name that the Royals were unable to hold on to. Jermaine Dye. I mean, just some of the names of players who have come through Kansas City and they weren't able to keep that talent. And if then they went on and and, and be, became contributors to other contenders in and won World Series. Keep that cheap, great talent uh, that you come that comes that comes through the farm system, but also keep James Shields. Spend the money to keep the guy. It wouldn't hurt to go get another uh, another good, solid young pitcher, a Jeff Samarja. Maybe he's out of your price range, but heck, shoot for the stars and go after John Lester. Sometimes it's it's good enough. It, you can maybe be able to entice a free agent if they see that you're serious about spending money. Maybe you may be able to entice. Someone on that B list if you can't get an A lister. So re-sign, uh, re-sign uh, James Shields. Get a big, you know, get somebody who can who can put up, you know, 30 home runs and, and 100 RBIs, which it's been forever since that's happened in Kansas City for the Warriors. I can't say the last time that happened, they had a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy. But get some additional pitching. Get a big bat. Because that's also an issue with the Royals is that their hitting leaves them for stretches sometimes, and it's it can be a frustrating experience. So, again, that's my addendum. So, some if it's, whoever's listening to this, who knows Dayton Moore, who knows David Glass, get this podcast into their hands. Because again, I'm important. I'm not going to be a season ticket holder. No, no, I'm not. I won't. But I might show up to some games, and I might bring my son, who may become a huge Royals fan who may end up being a season ticket holder. He's not, uh, he's your, he's, he's your only hope of getting some season tickets out of anyone in my family. Cause it won't be from me. All right. All right. So let's move on to the main topics of the day. So unless you've been under a rock, uh, you've heard by now about, uh, about Ray Rice and the incident with his fiat at, his fiance now wife, Janae Palmer, and Janae Rice, I should say. Get into it in Atlantic City. Uh, they get on the elevator. He knocks her out uh, with a punch, uh, drags her limp body out of the elevator onto the floor in Atlantic City. They initially were both arrested. 
then charges were dropped against Janae. Charges were then brought against Ray. Ray agreed to enter a pretrial diversionary program in lieu of jail time. Reached that agreement with the prosecutors. Subsequently, was initially suspended for two games by Roger Goodell. And then uh, TMZ got a hold of the tape because initially all you saw was the 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 aftermath of him knocking her unconscious and and, and Ray pulling her her body off the elevator. You got to see what led up to that uh, that incident, unfortunate incident on the on the elevator in Atlantic City in February. And when that tape dropped, and look, I, I for one, did not want to see the tape. I saw all I needed to see when he was dragging her body, her limp, unconscious body off the elevator when that video first leaked. Um, so the video dropped. I only saw it twice. Uh, I, 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 I know I said I didn't need to see it, but I, I still, I mean, it, it was out there. Curiosity. I watched it twice. Once, just to see what it was, and then one, like, once more with my wife. And this is how you know, this is how big this story was at, when it first dropped. My wife, bless her heart, she cracks me up because she tries to play gotcha with with sports because she wants to prove that she's a real sports fan and she cares about sports and that she keeps up with, with these things. And so she'll normally come home to me and say, "Hey, did you hear about?" And I go, "Yeah, you know, I knew about it." earlier today or I knew about days ago but on that particular night when she when the video released she didn't come to me in a in a gotcha her response was have you seen this video everyone is talking about it I haven't seen it so I watched it once more with her and I haven't seen it again I haven't seen the extended and I hate to even say this the extended versions that have the audio attached to them so if I reference it I'm referencing it referencing it from reports that I've read over the internet because again I just did not want to see uh the the those images over and over again or or even I really didn't need to see it because again I saw what I needed to see when he was dragging her off the elevator and so my first question to people my first question to people who who lost it when they saw this tape is why 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 are you outraged when you saw that tape what 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 made you so incensed because again what did you think happened on that elevator when you see the end result that came out months ago of him dragging her off that elevator unconscious he didn't knock her over with kisses he didn't blow a kiss at her and it just knocked her off her feet knocked her out the other thing that that caught me off guard of looking at the reaction to the the full the full tape of what happened in Atlantic City with with Ray and his and his what now wife was some of the the loss of rational thought from people who were watching the video. I mean, I saw someone you know Ray signed a new deal in 2012 and with the signing bonus and the way his contract was structured, he's made 25 million over the last couple of years. 
And I saw someone actually say that they couldn't believe or don't forget that he's keeping the money that he's made on this deal. And, and, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, like this isn't monopoly. It's not like he picked up a community chess card that says you are video is found of you committing an, an act of domestic violence against your wife, go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. Like this isn't how that works. You know, he went through the system and you could, there is a, a an argument to be made that, because of who he was, the system worked out for him. If you read the Outside the Lines report from ESPN that talked about Ray Rice getting a plea deal that is only offered 1% to 1% of offenders or, or is offered 1% of the time it's in, in that context, um, he seemed to have gotten off because of who he was, which this is what happens in life. We see this all the time. Famous people or people with, with stature behind their name get in trouble, and because of who they are, they get off. It's a fact of life. But the fact that he committed this this act, which is deplorable, which is heinous, which is despicable, it's all those things, all those things. But for us to say, well, he doesn't deserve the money that he's earned legitimately on the field because of that is mind-blowing to me. I've seen Ray Rice labeled as a monster. And again, I'm going to keep repeating this because someone is going to try to come from my head and, and say that I'm defending Ray Rice and I'm not. What he did was deplorable. It was heinous. It was despicable. It was terrible. But I don't think Ray Rice is a monster like people make him out to be. And here's why I say that. Again, I didn't watch the extended version of of the of the security footage, but I did read the kind I guess if you want to call it the transcript of what happened. And after Ray knocks her out and she comes to, she says to him, "I'm the mother of your child. How could you do this to me?" And if Ray is someone who is a monster, if people have, as, as some have labeled him, if he is a repeat abuser as I've heard uh, some people in comments and on social media say that if you look at the way he hit her you can tell this isn't his first time if he is an, a, a habitual hab abuser her response would not have been how could you do this to me it would I in my estimation and look I'm not a, a social worker or a, a domestic violence expert but just Again, rationally looking at this event and how it played out, if that was the case, that's not going to be her response once she wakes up. I also heard a lady uh, who was on the Dan Patrick show, just a regular caller, and she brought up the fact that she had been in a domestic uh, or a violent relationship with a, an ex-boyfriend for 10 years. And she said, you know, if Ray was... A, a, a habitual abuser, if he had done this before to her, that her response to him, because if you see the, the video, he jabs and kind of taps her once, and then she comes at him to retaliate, and then that's when he hits her with this left left cross. And she says that if, if Janae had been abused by Ray before in the past, that her response would not have been one of retaliation it would have been one of cowering and fear 
there is that there is that side to it as well. Now, Janae, it Janae could have been abused. I'm not going to say she hasn't. She hasn't been abused outside of this incident in the elevator. But if that is if that is somewhat true that once you've been abused, if your abuser goes to attack you again, that your response is to is to recoil and not retaliate, then then it would seem to again indicate that Ray is not that this was a terrible incident that he has only been accused of one time. And look, to this point, there have not been other women who have dated Ray or have been in Ray's life who have stepped up to say, hey, this is this is this is not a one time incident with this guy. This is a pattern. This is a problem. So for me, I'm not really ready to jump on the Ray is a monster bandwagon because, again, it seems to me, based on what I know, and what I've seen from this incident, that it was a terrible, terrible one time event. And I pray to God that this is only a one time event and that this is not a pattern of abuse from Ray Rice. But I do have a, a question from everyone who is who who is incensed and outraged and says that Ray shouldn't, you know, he sh he he's gotten what he deserves. Are you happy with the outcome? Are you are you satisfied? And, and the reason I say that is because for those who are outraged in this in this mob mentality that or that came up when this happened, if you have been a person who's on who's been fighting for domestic violence laws to change and how it's adjudicated in the in the courts in the in the system, I'm not talking to you. To those of you who who have who have been abused, I'm not talking to you. Your outrage. From, from my standpoint, it's just. What I'm talking about is those people who who spend all their time on social media going from one outrage incident to the next, and they don't really care about the incident in question. It's just they just want you to know that they're upset, that they're mad. Are you satisfied? Are you happy with the outcome? Because again, for those of you who are in that crowd who say that this is a monster and he he doesn't deserve to live and this, that, and the third, you've gotten him kicked out the game. You've gotten him. It was because let's be honest, it wasn't the NFL who got Ray, who who was responsible for kicking Ray off the Ravens and from from indefinitely suspending him. It was the outrage just seeing that video that got him cut from the Ravens and, and on an inde indefinite suspension from the league. So from that, for that crowd, do you feel that you've accomplished something? Because again, if Ray is a monster, like you said, you've now taken this monster who has spent his whole life playing this game being in love with playing the game, making money off playing the game, and you have essentially taken his livelihood away from him. Ray's earning potential is zero, in my opinion, for the next at least two years, maybe longer. Right now, Ray Rice cannot be a local greeter at your Walmart without having backlash. 
Josh Gordon got to be an ambassador uh, for a, a local Cleveland car dealer who was when he was dealing with his suspension for marijuana. Ray can't do that right now. He cannot be associated with any one or anything that isn't like, you know, his cousin cleaning, doing janitorial work. I mean, he's his earning potential from a football standpoint, to me, is done. Because I think, in my opinion, Ray Rice is the most toxic football player ever. More so than Michael Vick, because that video exists. And let's just say that some team, that somehow he wins his appeal, which I'm going to get to that in a second. He wins his appeal. He's reinstated by the league. And let's just say next year, some team decides that they want to give him a chance. The, to me, the outcry, the, the, the outrage would then just come back to the surface again of people who don't want him to play because of what he did, because of his transgression, because of this heinous incident. And the firestorm that will that will start that will come from domestic violence awareness groups and advocacy groups, from from women's rights groups, from feminists, like the firestorm that is going to come to the team that decides it wants to take a chance on Ray Rice is going to be amazingly high. It's going to be an, a tense situation. There are going to be protests outside of team facilities for a team that reaches out to him, all because. That video exists. And what's crazy to think about is, again, when that video of him dragging her off the elevator, the level of outrage was, was zero. When Greg Hardy was, was arrested on domestic violence charges, and if you've read the, 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 the transcript of, of what he's has now been uh, convicted of by a judge. He's appealing for a jury trial. It's 10 times worse than Ray. We're talking, we're talking pulling hair. We're talking guns. Like it, it was a scary situation at the Hardy household that day. And if you've heard the 911 tape of the woman who calls in defense of, 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 of Greg's uh, significant other, saying, get here, this woman is getting beat. I, I want to say she said, beat the bleep up. It, it's, it's terrible, but there was no outrage. Why? Because there was no video. There was no outrage then from this crowd that wants all these guys suspended and, and kicked out of the league for good. There was a lot of people who were on their high horse. And speaking of people who were on their high horse, Chris Carter was on his high horse almighty Sunday or a couple of Sundays ago when discussing the incidents and the firestorm that had enveloped the league. And he was ready to kick everyone out. All these guys, Ray McDonald, sit him down. Ray Rice, get him out. Greg Hardy, get him out. All these guys with these issues, Adrian Peterson, get him out of here. They don't deserve, I mean, they don't deserve the, the right to play this game is, is where Chris Carter is coming from. And I'm looking at my TV, and I mean, Chris was on it. He was on one. Because, I mean, he even called out his colleague, uh, Ray Lewis. And I look, you know, what happened with Ray in, in that limo back in 2000. It's some sketchy stuff. I mean, look, that suit that, that was bloody was never found. He turned state's witness on, on, on the two people who were with him in that limo who 
I thought were supposed to be his boys. But, I mean, he, Chris turned the hot beams on Ray and said, look, when you got in trouble, I thought you should have sat down. I'm thinking, I'm looking at the TV like, Chris, Chris, Mr. Pot. You know, uh, you know, this is the pot calling the kettle black here. I mean, this is crazy to, to listen to him go on this on this epic rant. For those of you who don't know, Chris, while he 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 has not been uh, convicted of domestic abuse or domestic violence or or abusing a child, he did have some off the field issues of his own with substance abuse. He had substance abuse issues, and if anyone who remembers Chris's career, he was started out with the Eagles and was cut by the Eagles. Not even traded. He was cut by the Eagles because of his substance abuse problems. And he was given a second chance by the Vikings and he turned his life around. And he credits him being cut with him turning his life around. And I'm that I'm grateful for that. That's a great redemption story. But it's also hypocritical of Chris knowing his history, knowing where he came from, to deny some of these men's second chances. Now, if, again, with I will put the caveat of, if, of Ray Rice, if he's an habitual abuser, he needs help, but he also needs to be, he does not deserve the chance. But in his case, let's start there. I'm not going to, we'll get to Greg Harding a little bit. In, the, in this instance, in this case, it seems to be a one-time incident until we know more. Until we know more. Based on what we know, it seems like a one-time incident. And it would seem to me that if I were a president, uh, an owner, a GM, and I had a need at running back, everything's a timeshare running back anyway, and I had a, a, a hole and I feel like Ray could fill it, once I've talked to him, once I've gotten a sense of he has done the necessary work to make himself a better person, I would give him a shot. I would give him a shot. I would. Does that, that does not mean that I'm down with domestic violence, that I agree with what he did. I can, I can be supportive of someone and not agree of a past action or offense. And I know some people like to bring up Aaron Hernandez in this situation and say, well, would you give Aaron Hernandez a second shot? No, I would not give Aaron Hernandez a second shot because he was in a murder trial. There's a huge difference between killing someone and hitting someone. Now, if Ray hit his wife and her way of life was altered, meaning significant brain damage that altered her way of life going forward, that's a different story. But murder, oh, no, 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 no. No, you're not playing for me with 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 beating a murder charge. I don't care who you are. Ray, one of the greatest middle linebackers of all time. But once you get entangled in murder, I got to, uh, for me, me personally, I got to distance myself. Someone else can give you a second chance. And I'm willing to do the work of even advocating for you, possibly if there's some contrition from being in that, in that, in that area. But murder, that, that's just not a place I'm willing to go. My other piece to you people who are so outraged, that outrage mob who jumps from one outrage event to the other. You know how I know your outrage is fake? Because if you were really this upset, if you were really angry about the Ray Rice incident, one, you would look at the domestic violence laws in this land, like I said. Two, you would look at the NFL's history of domestic violence and see that 
they have a pattern of allowing people involved in domestic violence situations or domestic abuse situations to play with little to no repercussions. For people like you, for this fake outrage mob, you love to beat your chest and say, I'm better than that guy. That's the point of your outrage, is to point out, I'm better than Ray Rice. You think that you are standing on moral high ground, but you are standing in quicksand. You, I'm not going to pat you on your back and give you kudos because you are, you are able to keep the most simplest of moral and social contracts, which is keep your hands to yourself, something you learn in kindergarten. I'm not going to pat you on the chest for that. You don't care about Janae Rice. You know how I know you don't care? Because when she came out on Instagram and made the statement in support of her husband, you told her to shut up. You told her to be quiet. You told her, you called her names. You called her foolish. You called her dumb. You called her crazy for staying with her husband. And look, I understand the, the statistics and the numbers that say that women who are abused are more likely than not to stay with their abuser. But again, have you considered that this heinous incident was a one-time incident? And that maybe he, that Ray does feel contrition. That Ray does feel bad. Now, again, I don't know the man. But you have to at least give it thought before dismissing it completely or not even acknowledging that side of it. So I have one last question for you fake outrage people who jump from one outrage to another. Like, trust me, I'm being a lot more calmer about this than I was when I was getting this prepared for the show. But I would love to know the cross section of people, of NFL fans, who want a AP, who want Adrian Peterson, who want Ray McDonald, who want Greg Hardy want Ray Rice gone and never want them to see the light of day again and never want them to to play another down of football again I would love to know the cross-section of people who based on what we know about those incidents want those players sat down or in jail with those NFL fans who have followed the events that have happened in Ferguson Missouri and based on what we know, still say that we have to wait for all of the facts to come in before we decide that if Darren Wilson should be tried for murder. Despite the fact that there are now seven, eight witnesses who have stepped up to it, who have said that Mike Brown faced Officer Wilson with his hands up as a sign of surrender. I would love to know it. And the homie Bay hit me up. I put that on Facebook and he said, do you mean cross-section or complexion? Hey, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, that, that this is just a strictly white thing because I know some black people. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Who, who, are, who, have, who have gone on. We, we got to wait for all the facts to come in as if we cannot make a... A not a judgment, but have an informed opinion based on the facts that we already know to be true. So, I, you know, just just I would just love to know again that cross section of people. And speaking of Ferguson, I'm going to go on a quick rabbit trail here. 
I would love in after this is said and done, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the line, I would love for some reporter to interview the three Ferguson cops, the three black Ferguson cops on the police force. Uh, 53 cops, only three of them are, are, are black or African-American, if you want to be PC. Um, I would love to, to hear from them, to get their perspective of what they what was going through their minds while this whole saga was going down. What did you, where were you the day it happened? What did you think? Have you encountered, have you encountered any racist comments or racist attitude on the police force while you were there? What did your family think? Were you on the front line shooting tear gas at people? What did your neighbors think? I mean, I, 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 that part of that story has fascinated me from the day I found out that there were three black police officers on the Ferguson police force. I would love for somebody to, to just to interview them and get their thoughts. Obviously, they can't talk now unless they're willing to go into another profession because law enforcement will be done for them if they chose to spoke out or speak out at any point in time now. But I would love to know that. Did they know Darren Wilson? Did they think that he had he, did they think that he was a racist? I would just, these, the, that, that part of the story has always fascinated me. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Just, just, just was curious. Just wanted to throw that out there. So now the other part of this Ray Rice deal is Roger Goodell, right? Right. Roger, uh, initially sent, sentenced Ray to a two-game suspension and had the full tape not come out, Ray Rice will be playing football right now. Uh, again, when when all this stuff came down, I was incensed. I was, I was upset. I wanted Roger Goodell fired. I even tweeted him probably two, three days in a row. Have you, have you resigned yet? Have you, have you stepped down yet? I personally was ready to boycott the NFL. Then I had to talk with some of the homies. And again, the next the next episode will be featuring some of the homies. And so they can clarify. But to me, their, their response to my anger, my wanting to have Roger Goodell fired or have him resign, or my, my initial intention of boycotting games was met with, I can only describe it to me as indifference. Again, I'm going to have them on to give their side of the story. I know I'm going to hear about this when they hear it. But to me, it was kind of like, well, I don't get why you're upset. I don't get why you're angry. I don't get why you want him to step down. And part of the reason I wanted him to step down is because Roger Goodell has placed himself in the role of judge, jury, and executioner. Right? Right? Okay. So 2005, 2006, when he comes in, there's issues across the league. You have the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals who are getting arrested left and right. You have all these different issues. You also had the NBA that had had their own image issues on top of that. They were in the post-Jordan world. You had the Malice and the Palace had broken out uh, a couple of years, a year or so before. You had the Jailblazers. Uh, with Rashid and Zebo and Quintel Woods and all these guys who get in trouble. And so when the NFL image issue started to pop up, people were starting to lump them in with the NBA and the Shield could not have that. So Roger Goodell came in and he became the most punitive commissioner in all of sports. 
he handed out the most harsh punishments of any commissioner in the history of sports. And if you are going to be judge, jury, and executioner, if you're going to be all those things, Roger Goodell, you cannot turn around and then say to me, we asked for the tape and, and they wouldn't give it to us. You then cannot turn around and say when they say, well, had you asked for the tape, we would have given it to you. And then later on come to, come to find out that not only did we send you the tape, but we have a voicemail from an NFL staffer who says they got it and it's terrible. You then can't turn around and say, to my knowledge, no one within the NFL has seen it. You then can't go from, from saying that statement to, to saying that it didn't matter that you didn't see the tape. You then can't go from that saying it didn't matter that you didn't see the tape to saying, well, Janae was just so convincing that I, I couldn't, I didn't want to press her. I didn't want to put additional pressure on her or, or make things worse for her. You cannot do those things if you're going to be judge, jury, and executioner. And so that's why I initially wanted him fired because at best, he was incompetent and not doing his job. And at worst, he's lying to the American people. American people. This isn't a political show. He's lying to the 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 sports fan, the NFL fans of the NFL, and wanting us to believe that that he never got the tape, never saw the tape. So what do I think happened? This is what I think happened, and some of this kind of came out through the outside the lines report. He saw the tape. He was, I'm pretty sure he was sickened by what he saw. However, he met with Ray. He met with Janae. They both. I don't want to say beg, but they both strongly argued or strongly pleaded for a lenient sentence. And then also, since the Ravens owners or Ravens president and GM came along, who also were begging or arguing for a lenient sentence, he granted them their wish of only giving them two games. Why? Because with the NFL and... It's consistent with how they have treated other DV cases before. Okay. Then obviously it backfired on him and, and it didn't work. And look, my homies, you know, through their, in, again, quote unquote indifference, they talked me down. They talked me down to this. Roger Goodell should not be fired. He should not step down. However, he should. He should remove himself. And this is this is what should have happened from the very get-go when he decided to, to be tougher on conduct policy issues off the field. He should remove himself as being judge, jury, and executioner and should have an independent, truly independent, investigative team that has no ties to any of the 32 teams so that you don't have some owner trying to lean on you and start player X gets in trouble. Have that independent team be the ones who oversee the conduct policy. Because look, there isn't if there is a team that he could point the finger to who got the Ray Rice punishment wrong, there's a lot of this outrage is not out there. But because he only gave him two games, because he was arrogant about it, and saying that he was right and that everyone just essentially needed to pipe down about it. 
because of all those things, because there is no transparency on his part. Jay Glazer from Fox Sports was on the Dan Patrick show right after the Hall of Fame game and said, and matter, he, I mean, he said it kind of how we discussed the weather. They haven't seen the tape. Dan, Dan Patrick goes, what? Yeah, they haven't seen the tape. At that point, League Insiders, the Dan Patrick show, reached out to the NFL for a comment on that. Industry insiders, Mortensen, uh, Chris Mortensen from ESPN, Adam Schefter from ESPN, other insiders reached out to the league to get their reaction to that statement, and they said nothing. If they had not seen the tape, that was their time to say, hey, we asked for the tape. They didn't give it to us. Transparency. And at this point, look, I feel bad for Roger. That After reading the, the response to to the, the press conference after listening to Teddy Bruschi rip him a new one, Mark Schlereth rip him a new one, and saying that he is not the man for the job right now, I feel bad for Duke at this point because he is having, I mean, he is taking the slings and arrows. Um, but again, he cannot, he needs to step down as being that guy, get a truly independent counsel, and have them take over conduct policy issues. And speaking of independent, he announced, uh, you know, not at that, at that particular press conference this past Friday, but he announced last week that an independent investigation, and you can't see me doing the air quotes, but quote unquote independent investigation headed up by a guy who has a ton of ties to NFL teams, including the Ravens in particular, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll investigate what's going on. And, and here's why I don't think they're going to find anything of note. And I hope they prove me wrong. One, I just noted, the investigator is tie, has ties to the league, including the Ravens, number one. Number two, who in the NFL is going to be the one to drop dime on Adele and basically blacklist themselves from any job for probably the next two or three years? Who's going to do that? I don't see anybody rocking that boat, all right? Secondly, he won't be fired or won't be forced to resign because the owners will not will not turn their backs on him. For a couple of reasons. One, he's made them more money than they've ever made in their lives as since they've been owning NFL teams. I mean, $6 billion TV deal, billions of dollars in in, in sponsor, sponsor money coming in. He's looking at how to grow the game. They got multiple games in London. They got thoughts of putting the Super Bowl in London, God forbid. They have thoughts of sending, uh, having a team in L.A., which I personally think being going to Edward Jones Dome or whatever they're calling it now in St. Louis, I think this, the Rams are a right team to move because they need a new stadium badly. He's made them more money. And two, I think he knows where the bodies are buried with a lot of these owners. You got Jimmy Haslam in trouble with Flying J. You had the, the Wilfs, the owners of the Vikings having fraud issues. You got this, the Redskins issue with Daniel Snyder. You got Jerry Jones out here trying to be a, a white version of of, gosh, I can't think of the pimp's name, uh, Bishop Don Juan taking pictures with, with the young ladies. He's got a, a a lawsuit against him for sexual harassment from, I believe, a former cheerleader. 
you have issues with cheerleaders. I mean, look, I think he knows where the bodies are buried, and if they can't cut him loose for fear of him dropping dimes anonymously on them. So I don't think anything's going to happen. One, because, again, people don't care. People pretend that they care about domestic violence and what's going on with the league and how this looks bad on the league, but they don't truly care because if they did, they would boycott, like I said, and they're not going to do that. They're not going to stop going to games. They're not going to stop supporting the sponsors. It'll be business as usual. And to me, it's brilliant that he talked about having changes instituted by the Super Bowl. Because again, because we are such meatheads when it comes to football, because we're so brainwashed by the league every Thursday, every Sunday, and then Saturdays, and then we don't care. It's football. Football is on. Oh, my gosh. We don't care. And by the Super Bowl, it's the Super Bowl. We really won't care at that point. It'll be drowned out by the noise of the Super Bowl. So bravo for him. Bravo to him for, you know, for playing it, for playing it smartly. All right? Lastly, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to try to make this quick. Adrian Peterson, again, if you, unless you've been under a rock, you know Adrian Peterson uh, has been indicted by a grand jury for child abuse. He beat his four-year-old son with a switch that left some serious lacerations on his legs, his scrotum, uh, and... He was deactivated week two, had a press conference, an awkward, terrible, terrible press conference, which anyone with a brain could have told you would have gone was going to go badly, which they said they were going to bring him back for week three. Then the governor got involved, said, hey, this is ridiculous. The Radisson Hotel, whose name I'm pretty sure they were cringing and hiding underneath their desk as that abomination of a press conference was going on, and their their name was emblazoned all on the backdrop, pulled out of their limited sponsorship. Other companies piped up and eventually they put Adrian on this, you know, secret probation. We'll pay you, but you can't be seen here right now list. And so he is deactivated until further notice. Uh, You know, a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, it, it's abuse. He's only four. You know, the, you you can't whip a kid like that at that age. And he not, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do if I got a whipping like that at that age. Um, I grew up getting whippings. I got, I've been spanked with just traditional things, belt and switches, mostly belts. Um, don't you dare tell me my mother is wrong or I would go get a, a belt or a switch and whoop you. My mother was not wrong. My grandmother was not wrong. My uncle Hunt, who he and my aunt Joanne used to watch me as a kid growing up. He, if you know, he was the Michael Jordan of, of, of whipping butt of spankings in my lifetime. The man was unbelievable. Um, just him threatening to whoop you was sentence enough. He didn't have to follow out on the act because you would be so paranoid and so freaked out by him declaring that he would whoop you. Um, it was it was a psychological thing. Now, if you want to say that's abuse, yeah, okay. I'm, I, I won't agree with you, 
to me, it's just, it was a scare tactic to get you to act right. Because I'm going to tell you, I acted right around him. And, was, and I almost ran and jumped in my mother's arms as if I was freed from jail when I saw him. And maybe somebody wants to say that's abuse. I, I would disagree with you. All right? All right. Uh, but, you know, uh, me and my wife, again, we have a small child. He's only one, uh, one, and one, one and a half. And we've talked about how we want to discipline our son as he gets older. We've talked about spankings, but we have talked about that as a last result, not a first response. We've talked about timeout. We've talked about different things of, of how we want to discipline our son. But I do think that spanking will be a, a part of that, but it won't be as huge a part as it was for me growing up. And look, I was a good kid, so it's not like I got... You know, getting spanked was not an everyday occurrence for me. It wasn't a once a week thing for me. I was a pretty good kid. So my my disciplines via switch and belt were few and far between. Um, you know, my my grandmother um, <laughs> my grandmother being a wrestling fan I think she had a genius idea in, in administering spankings. She had in wrestling that had Texas strap matches where you would have two wrestlers who would have leather belts and they would whip each other with these belts. So she saw that and she took a leather strap. She wrapped it around her fist and she only left a couple of inches of it protruding. So when you got spanked, Normally, the tactic was with a longer belt, you would grab the belt. It wouldn't hurt as bad because, you know, the just the way the, the whole physics and aerodynamics of the whole thing, of the whole situation. Well, she had that tip. So if you reach out to grab it, the sting from that belt kept you from holding on to it. And so, again, that was that was life for us. That was how we were disciplined. We didn't have such a thing as time out did not exist. Um, but we were never beaten like Adrian Peterson did his son. We we didn't have leaves shoved in our mouth. We didn't have to pull our pants down. Um, you know, that's just how we were disciplined. Um, but uh, uh, again, a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, it's amazing to me how we point out we have evolved as a society, that we have progressed as a society, and all this great talks uh, and things like that. But it seems that we cannot have a nuanced conversation. Everything has to be black and white, hence the name of the show. Everything has to be black and white. Everyone is either good or evil. Everything is either light or dark. And look, if you want to talk about that from a biblical standpoint, then yeah, we can have this conversation about it's black and white. There is no, there's no gray area. There's a heaven and a hell or right and a wrong or whatever. But when it comes to society, when it comes to life and dealing with issues like spanking, there is room for nuance within within the conversation of should spanking still happen in 2014? But from the anti, you know, spanking crowd, it, some of the things that were said that I've seen in 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 reading um, reading stories about it or tweets about it, it is mind numbingly. I don't want to say dumb. I don't, I don't, but I have no other word for it. I've seen a person I've never heard of before say that 
since only what she considered marginal people or that no one of notoriety has said, look, I got whooped and I turned out okay, has stepped up, then that means it's it's not it's not necessary. I saw Jason Woodlock say, well, I got spanked. My brother didn't. He turned out okay. Spankings aren't necessary. And the one that blew me away, the one that made me go, oh, my God, huh, what, huh, was Robert Smith. Robert Smith is a college football analyst for ESPN. And he said, and I quote, look, I typed it out just so I can make sure I got the quote right. The best educated and financially successful ethnic group in America, Asian Americans, spank at the lowest rate. Coincidence? Just in case, just in case you didn't catch what I said, let me read that to you one more time. One more time. He said, and I quote, the best educated and financially successfully ethnic group in America Asian Americans spank at the lowest rate. Coincidence. Now, look, he didn't give us a link to back up that statement. He didn't give us some link that showed that to be the case. You know, he could have that 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 stat could have been pulled out of his butt. I don't know. The tweet in its entirety was pulled from his butt, but I don't know about those numbers being pulled out of his butt. I mean, that what? I sat there and stared at that tweet for five minutes like it was a solar eclipse. I could not believe what I was reading and that people were retweeting it as if this was some profound truth. Huh? So let's let's get a couple of things straight here. Number one. Number one. If you call it a tree branch and not a switch, you probably need to sit this conversation out. All right. I mean, it, it's it's not a tree branch. It's a switch. If you get a tree branch, if you get a branch uh, of any note of any size that you can hold within your the palm of your hand or the grasp of your hand and you tr- try to whoop someone with it, I don't think you're going to get the intended result that a switch is because it's going to break. At least in my esti- at least at least in my estimation, all of our switches came from bushes. They didn't come from trees. Um because there were no switches that were thin enough that would hold up under under whooping. Now, look, maybe, maybe in your context and your, in your perspective, maybe that wasn't the case. But in, for mine, our switches came from bushes. All right. If you think only someone of Adrian Peterson's size could leave marks like that, you're sadly mistaken. Now, look again. What he did, in my opinion, is abuse. And if I sat on the grand jury and they asked me, was what he did abuse? I would say yes. If that is if that's what you're asking me to judge him on, and I'm sitting on that jury, yes, it was abuse. He's only four. You can make your point in a couple of swats. But let me tell you something. My grandmother on my mother's side is a petite woman, but you put a belt or a switch in her hands, that's the great equalizer right there. She <laughs> she had some power. When she had a switch or a belt in her hand. Lastly, uh, since this has happened, since Adrian Peterson happens to be black, and since he spanked his kid, and since he's talked about how he was spanked and it worked for him, and look at the person that he turned out to be, 
This is somehow turned into a stereotype, stereotypical referendum on the African-American or black community and their propensity to use switches and belts to whip their kids as if we are the only race to do so. Again, I read a an, an article which I have no idea that it could be it could be true, it could not be, that theorized that the reason that the black community is so prevalent in whipping their kids is it's rooted in a slave mentality. And that that slave once emancipation happened, that former slaves would whip their kids. One is is because that's how just or how discipline was doled out to them by slave masters. But not only that, it became a generational thing of black people whooping their children because they didn't want them to act out in public. And if they acted out in public, that white people would have a reason to harass them and even kill them. Then that evolved into the modern day times where it became culturally acceptable for black people to whip their kids because if they don't whoop them, then they'll go out into society, be bad apples, and then police officers who are white will kill them or brutally beat them up and throw them in jail. Despite the fact that 79% a study, a study and look, I don't know how much credence you can put into a study. 79% of people of, of white people polled said that they agreed with Spank. I mean, look, this isn't a black thing. Just like all, you know, black people don't have a monopoly on chicken. They don't have a monopoly on watermelon and honey buns. We do not have a monopoly on spanking our children. This is a cultural, this is not just a cultural thing. This is a societal thing. White people spank their children. Latino people spank their children. Yes, Asian American people spank their children, despite what Robert Smith wants you to believe. They do it. It's a societal thing. And so there there can be a new, there is a, a an opportunity with all this stuff that's going on for a nuanced conversation to happen about spanking your children, discipline your children using a belt or a switch in 2014. And if it is necessary, but it is not so simple as it's not necessary. And if you agree with it, you're an idiot which is essentially what the anti-spanking crowd wants you to believe. Again, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with, with Ethan. At this young age, I have popped his hands a few times uh, when he's thrown a tantrum, especially one where it was really egregious. Um, and you might think that at one, all the tantrums are egregious, but there have been a few times where I've popped his hands and I haven't popped them hard. And he's understood even in that, that it's hurt his feelings for me to do that because he he's understood that I, I am displeased with his actions. And it, it, it quick side note on that, it cracks me up because he knows when I'm angry with him because he tries to kiss me to defuse the situation. Kids, what can I say? But I just want to close <laughs> by saying I am I love the NFL. I've been a fan of the of the NFL since I was seven. Um, I used to be able to name just about the entire San Francisco 49ers roster as that was my team of choice growing up. I love this sport. It does disappoint me to see 
Adrian Peterson go through this Ray McDonald situation again as a 49er fan I'm I'm a little conflicted on whether or not he should be playing on one hand you do want to let the process play out and if and Jim Harbaugh said if any of his players are convicted or indicted on that type of thing that that he doesn't want them on his team but I'm a little convicted I'm a little conflicted I should say on having him play but I don't, I'm not so conflicted that I'm angry. And it's not one of those, uh, you know, well, of course you're, 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 you're don't, you don't see a problem with it. He's talented. Look, first of all, that's life, okay? People who are talented get more chances than people who are not. So please stop acting like, you know, you, you're just this straight moral compass and moral arrow who sees everything as it is, and if it from the greatest to the least, the rules are the same. That, that's a lie. That, it's just, it just is, okay? But I love this game. I And I'm conflicted from with Roger Goodell from how he's handled Bounty Gate uh, to Spygate to this Ray Rice issue uh, to seeing Ray McDonald's issues play out in a public manner, Greg Hardy's issues play out in a public manner, and how I, through my watching of the of the game, of of you know, indulging in things like Sunday ticket, how I support this league through all of its mess. And look, I have a young son and me and my wife, since we knew we were having a child, we've discussed whether or not we want our son to play to play football. I should. I, I hate that I have to have this fight within myself of whether or not I want to continue to support this game by watching it, by participating in fantasy football and things of that nature. I don't want to have to think about this, but if these issues continue to persist like they are and if Roger Goodell continues to mishandle them and if the, the, the public... And it shouldn't bother me, but it does. If the public continues to be faked outrage to the point of they don't of them saying that they don't want these guys around, but yet they're not willing to have any further action uh, continues, it it makes me wonder whether I want to be one associated with a group like that who would think like that, and two whether I want to support a league that can't properly properly handle these situations so they, they don't look like bumbling idiots when these things come about. The NFL should not be the one we look to to right all of society's wrongs because they can't do that. And foolishly, we put these people on pedestals. Charles Barkley had it right. He is not a role model. Professional athletes whose lives we don't know we should not look to them as role models, but because we love sports and they are, you know, a, 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 they, they play out life situations and they, they show us what, what courage looks like and what, and what being strong looks like and what being tough looks like. And, and all these other, you know, wonderful metaphors for life that we can take from playing sports. We put these people on pedestals. We, 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 we glorify them, we look up to them, and then they let us down, and we're angry. And I get that. And then we turn around and we do the same thing all over again. I mean, just 
keep this, think about this in perspective as it relates to Ray Rice. Or and all of these players and, and us questioning whether or not they should play. Just 10 years ago, I just thought of this, sorry. Just 10 years ago, Kobe Bryant was flying to Eagle, Colorado on game days, on the Lakers' private jet to attend sexual assault proceed, a, a sexual assault trial against him. Think of how much has changed. We should have been outraged. Think about that, Kobe fans. We should have been outraged then, but we weren't outraged then. Social media has given us an outlet to to express that frustration, to express that anger. But people, please, please, please don't let your outrage be for the moment because it's the end thing to do. If you're going to be outraged, do something about it. And I'm talking to myself when I say this too. Do something about it. Okay? Really think about if you want to invest emotionally, financially into these teams. Because it... This is because this is the the internal argument that I'm having with myself every day. I felt conflicted as heck, wanting to boycott the league, but knowing I have a fantasy team. I mean, you know, so. But anyway, you know, I'm done. I'm done. It's late. I gotta go to bed. I'm tired. So thank you for listening. If you want to hit me up with any feedback, once again, it's Twitter. My Twitter handle is at A1TheLP, all letters, Facebook.com, A1TheLP, with any feedback for the show, whether you liked it. Next week or next couple of days, I want to ta- have a taping with the homies. I've talked about them a little bit. I mentioned a couple of them by name. I have the homies on. We'll talk about what they heard here, what they liked, what they didn't like. We'll talk a little, get a little fantasy football in. We'll talk a little NFL. We'll talk about the Chiefs. We'll talk about... Uh, the league in general, get into and get into other randomry as as it comes up. So, thanks for listening. This is it's a black and white thing. I see y'all when I see y'all, man.